Well, good morning, Grace Life Church family. My name is Tommy, and I'm the lead pastor here, and it is my joy to welcome you to Grace Life this morning. And we have a greeting that's traditional that we do just to remind everybody when they walk inside these doors why we're here and what Christ offers those of us who come here. So if you know it, you can say it with me. If not, you can just enjoy it. This is our traditional greeting. To all who mourn and need comfort. To all who are weary and need rest, to all who feel worthless and wonder if God cares, to all who fail and need strength, to all who sin and need a savior, to all who hunger and thirst after righteousness, and to whoever else will come, Grace Life Church welcomes, opens wide her doors rather in the name of Jesus Christ and offers welcome. And that extends not only to those of you who are here physically, but to those who are watching safely from home, uh, either on YouTube or Facebook or just live streaming from our website and whatever other mode we have. We welcome you and we're grateful that you are worshiping with us from your home, hopefully not from your car driving, uh, but we're thankful that we can at least unite in that way. And I have the privilege of introducing uh, our speaker who's going to come and share God's word in just a little bit after after we sing some songs here. Uh, and it's somebody you already know. We installed him as a lay elder last week. It's Cliff Patterson. He's going to come and, and preach from Mark chapter 5 this morning, and it's going to be a joy to, to hear him share uh, God's word and also probably some of his heart and passion, and you'll hear some of his testimony. So I'm looking forward to that, Cliff. Thank you for being willing to, to do that. And uh, so I just want to stop and pray and then Turn it over to our worship team to lead us into the presence of God. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather in your name and just pause and just acknowledge that you are sovereign and that you are good and that you are wise and that you are kind and that you died for us, Lord. We were unlovely. We were your enemies. And yet you came, you sent your son, Lord, into hostile enemy territory. And you sent him to come and live the perfect life that we couldn't live and to die the horrible death we all deserve. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. He was resurrected. And then he ascended up into heaven, Lord. And his victory is our victory. And we are in him. And we're thankful to belong to you. We are thankful to be in your kingdom, to be in your family, to be united to one another. And we're thankful for the privilege and opportunity we have to gather together today under the banner of Jesus Christ. 
We're thankful for the freedoms we're afforded in this country, Lord, to do that without fear or threat of persecution for now. And that's by your grace. So I pray that you would come, Spirit, and open our eyes to see the beauty of Jesus, open our hearts to feel his power, to feel the liberating power, Lord, that came from the cross and the resurrection and continues through the power of the Holy Spirit. May we sing these lyrics and think deeply about them, their meaning, and may we, we hear the word that Cliff's going to bring us this morning. And may we leave here changed forever. I ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys want to rise and sing with us? Resurrected King is resurrecting me by 
rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Where soldiers washed in vain Was borrowed for three days His body there would not remain So God has robbed God has
God, we just praise you this morning, Father, and just allowing us in your presence, Father, just for keeping us all safe. And we just pray for our brothers and sisters who are not here this morning, Father. 
whether they're uh, worshiping you from their home, Father, via Facebook or live, um, Facebook Live or YouTube, Father, or whether this is their first time coming across us over Facebook or YouTube, Father, we just pray that you would have an anointing upon them and that they would realize that they are called by you, that you were pursuing them, Father. Father, we just continue to raise our praises up to you and glorify your name, and we just love you this morning, Jesus. This is my prayer in the desert When all that's within me feels dry This is my prayer in my hunger in need My God is a God who provides And this is my prayer in the fire In weakness or trial or pain there is a faithful, the more worth than gold, so find me through the flame. And I will bring praise, I will bring praise, no weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice, and I will declare. God is my victory and he is And this is my prayer in the battle When triumph is still on his way For I am a conqueror and co-heir with Christ so firm on his promise I'll stand. I will bring praise, I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me shall remain. And I will rejoice, and I will declare. God is my victory and he is. All of my life and in every season, you are some God, and I have a reason. And I have a reason to worship. Raise your voice that part if that's true for you guys. In all my life, in every season, you are some God. And I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. Lord, time. All of my life and in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. And I will bring praise, I will bring praise, I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice, and I will declare, God is my victory, and He is here. 
bring praise. I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice. I will declare. God is my victory and he is. And this is my prayer in the harvest, when favor and providence flow. And I know I'll fail to be empty again, this seed I received on the slow. Cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see His wounds, His hands, His feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. body bound drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah still and all alone pray Amongst the saints, he 
within you, Father, that you have given us a joy that surpasses all understanding, Father, and we are able to come into your presence and just worship you wholeheartedly, Father. I pray that you would continue to open the eyes of our brothers and sisters who may be struggling with anxiety and depression of everything else that's going on in this world, Father, and that we would just keep our focus on you, that you are on the move, Father God, and you are on the move this morning in lives. Father, we just pray that you would just speak through your message this morning, Father, and you just soften the hearts and soften the ears over your people, Father. We just love you. Jesus, let me pray. Amen. You guys may be seated. I don't think we have a person to read the... Oh, you're coming. Okay. I was going to read the verse for you, but sometimes I forget how to read, so... Oh, okay. Good morning. Sorry. We're all tracking, so... <laughs> okay. So, Mark chapter 5... Uh, verse 1 through 20 says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. 
and he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen then told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was setting, getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. <clears throat> Hello, Grace. Good morning. Everyone hear me okay? Did you turn that microphone off, Bree? <laughs> we always have feedback here sometimes. I am blessed to be up here, and I really thank you for the opportunity. Um, it's been a long process, as uh, Pastor Tommy has explained, you know, when we started this process, uh, COVID happened, and then just everything happened, so everything was put on hold, but I just want to thank you for this opportunity that you guys deem me worthy of this position. Uh, I look forward to the opportunity uh, to working with some really good men, and I appreciate all the encouragement that I've heard from you guys out there, and um, the Nugent family, you were encouragement to me through this time, the Harris family, pray that you guys are well, you encouraged me to look into this position and heavily consider it, so I thank you guys. And um, I'm going, uh, Tommy told me he wanted me to give up and just give a testimony to tell you a little bit about myself to, so you can know the guy that's going to be helping those great guys shepherd this flock. And I'm going to really tell you about my life. And I know that there's children in here. So there's some things I'm going to speak in code. So you'll have to kind of read between the lines uh, just to kind of give you a background of my life and what the Lord has done. And you might wonder how I'm going to preach a sermon about my life from <laughs> what happened to this dude right here. <laughs> Uh, that scripture, that passage of scripture, which I'm really going to talk about at the end, has just been an instrumental passage in my life, just an instrumental ch uh, chapter in my life that um, has really blessed me and given me a lot of guidance from the scriptures. So thank you for this opportunity. And I just want to, I, I am a local guy. I'm a native. Who knows what a native Floridian is? Have you ever met one? <laughs> just a few. I was born and raised here in the Four Towns area. If you, any of you guys have gone to the Hendrix house, that, that shop on, this, on the left, it's called Osteen Automotive now. It used to be my dad's who's here with us today. 
Uh, it was called Kenny Service Center. He operated that from the 80, 1980 all the way to 94 when he sold it. And that's where I grew up, uh, really just the summers working, learning about mechanics. That's how I started, you know, learning how to turn wrenches. And th th that was, I was born in this area. I went to Osteen Elementary. My brother came to this school. I went to Crime Ridge. I mean, um, but my faith life started young. I was raised in I would, what I would call a Christian home. My mom, I would call the spiritual, spiritual nurturer of our family. Uh, she was the one that taught us about Christ. She was the one that made sure that we were that traditional family to where, you know, we had a, a dinner every night. We sat, home, we sat at home. Uh, we prayed over our meal. And probably until I was a teenager, she still took us to bed, tucked us in, helped us to pray for our family and pray for God's blessing on our house. And th that's my earliest memories of of knowing who Christ was. It was taught by her. Um, interestingly, though, we were a, really a church family. I don't ever remember going to church as a family until I was probably in my early 20s. My dad lived out uh, his, his Christian ethics and his Christian life at, at his work. I got to watch him live a life and run a business of integrity I got to saw how, see how God would bless people, and he would bless the work of your hands when you did things God's way. Uh, he still, and, and in Proverbs, you, you see so much in Proverbs how when you do things God, God's way that he gives you a good name, and that good name still follows him around today. I mean, even at the auto salvage that he owns now, people still come up there and it's like, oh, yeah, I remember your dad. I used to go to Osteen. And uh, he used to work on my car. He always fixed me up and take care of me. I mean, that still follows him around 30, 40 years later. So it's just a testimony to how when you do things God's way, God blesses you. He rewards you. And I got to watch that. But I know that my mom always wanted more for us spiritually. I have this story I remember. Um, I think that she really regretted not having invested. The, I guess this is the sweet spot here, so... I think that she regretted not investing more into us. I think I was about 16 or 17. I went to her. She was always reading the Bible. She was always reading a book. She was always doing something. And she was laying on her bed, just kind of reading her Bible. And I walked up to her. I don't remember what brought this question on, but I was like, Mom, what's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? And then she laid the Bible down on her chest and just looked up to the um, ceiling. And she was like, oh, I have failed. And <laughs> got up and I could tell that she was really disappointed in herself that she wished I was further along, that we were all further along. Uh, I just always remembered that. I think that she was really disappointed, but um, either way, I had a praying mama. You know, I think all of us can attest to the power of a praying mama, right? I mean, I think all of us that have made it to church today had a praying mama. <laughs> But I would, my, God called me to really start challenging my faith and calling me to walk in my faith. I think when I left high school, I was in the band scene. Uh, my first band was a classic rock cover band. You know, we started going out trying to play places in different bars or what have you. And classic rock cover bands just wasn't good enough for me. So uh, at that time, I was getting into a genre of music called death metal. So um, I'm sure that you, none of you listen to death metal on the way to church this morning. They don't play it on Z88.3. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, a, it's a hard 
type of metal. It goes beyond Metallica and all that stuff. And we just enjoyed it. We liked the, the double bass drums and the hard, loud guitars. And that's what we liked. And that's what we played. And actually, my brother who's here today. He was the lead singer. And the drummer and the bass player were brothers. So the fights were interesting, to say the least. But if you know anything about this scene, it's um, heavily steeped in occultism. A lot of the bands are just openly satanic. Uh, if they're not talking about occultism or Satanism, they're, they're, their lyrics are very brutal and just downright disgusting. And uh, overarchingly, they're hostile towards Christians. <laughs> um, but me and my brother and the other two guys were kind of raised in a similar environment, and we never felt comfortable with that genre, but we just liked the music. So it brought on interesting conversations as well when we were hanging out at night with these other bands that were into that stuff. So we, we, our band was called Immoral Empire, so we, you know, we had this problem with social things, and you know, their lyrics tended to be about um, politics and social issues and things of that nature. But no matter what, we fell into sin somewhere because it, it's all from pride, it's all from arrogance. And um, it, was a, it was a challenging time for someone to hold on to some faith. I, I guess I would just have to say that. Pastor Tommy has preached up here um, a couple times this, this uh, I think it was a message that he had heard before and it always left an impression on me. He said that when we stand before God, we don't even really need to be judged whether or not we kept God's precepts. It'd be interesting to see if God judged us just how we kept our own precepts, you know, how we set up morals for ourselves, how we compromised our own morals. Let's just focus on that before we even focus on if we kept God's law, you know, and uh, that, that's just a really thought-provoking thing, and that was with me as I prepared this, because I saw over my life through this time how I started to compromise. I knew I was raised a certain way. I was raised to value God and, and to trust God. I was raised to know that Jesus was Lord, and this was a time in my life where I can saw those things attacked. I was a hard worker. I mean, I think by anyone's assumption, I was a pretty good guy, I guess, by, by uh, social standards. I worked hard. Uh, I always had money that I needed. I always paid my bills. I never had to pawn stuff to make ends meet. I, I was good with my money. But I still, my standards that I made for myself, they weren't God's standards, but we get into that mode that if uh, we keep our own standards, we're actually keeping God's standards, and that's just not the, not the case. I saw how I started to compromise things. I started compromising my standards. I was a moderate drinker, so I thought that was good. I only smoked green things, so that was good enough. I didn't do anything else. But as I let other people come into my life, let other people come into my house, let people come into my bachelor pad, let people influence me, they brought in other people. And those other people became my friends. And then they had all kinds of other things that they wanted me to do. And I saw how I started compromising with other substances. And I would start asking myself these questions, who am I? I I'm compromising what I believe. I, I'm compromising what I believe to be right and, and appropriate behavior. 
I compromised uh, the way that I knew that I was supposed to engage in relationships of the opposite sex. Through this time, I guess I would still get into the conversation at night about uh, the Lord and who he was and try to defend my faith, but uh, I noticed that I had um, Apostle Peter moment, that I started backing off of my profession. And I'm sure you've heard it just as well as I have. Oh, I believe in God, but I'm not sure about Jesus. That became who I was because I had been attacked at every area in the subculture that I was in. And you don't have to be a part of that subculture, of course, to be attacked in your faith in Christ. It's just overtly uh, out there in that subculture. Later on, I found myself hanging out with buds on the way home from the racetrack, and I found myself on the side of the road doing a sobriety test. I got pulled over. And then the next thing I know, I wake up, you know, I'm in jail, and I'm calling someone to come get me. I'm like, who am I? What has happened to me? This is not what I planned. This was not part of the plan. This was a perfect storm in my life. Uh, I had a failed relationship that brought a tremendous amount of pain in my life. Now I had legal issues. So the logical thing to do is to raise your fist to God and ask him why he did this. Isn't that what we do? And that's what I did. Why did you do this to me, God? It, it wasn't, um, well, this is the consequences of all my sin and all my bad decisions culminating here, and I deserve it. No, I was like, God, why did you do this? <laughs> But as I continued to ask who I was, I'd like to call this season the, my Joshua 24:15 season, that when God brought me to a place in my life where he said, you need to decide who you're going to serve. You have to make a decision. You can't keep playing, playing a believer. You can't keep playing church. You can't keep playing all these games, wearing a mask like you're doing. You need to make a decision. Because God rips off that mask when you put it on. He ripped off my mask, and it's painful. So it's best to go ahead and take it off yourself <laughs> if, you're, if you're stuck in that position. But through this time, God really started showing me great things. He, I started to see his mercy, his grace, his love. I noticed a hunger for the word in my life. I started reading my Bible. I had a Bible that mom, my mom had given me. I started reading it at night. I, I just became engrossed with the word. Uh, I couldn't put it down. I, I kept it under my pillow at night when I went to bed because I just felt like I would absorb it by osmosis as I slept. You know, I just wanted, I wanted more. And I was coming to a, uh, a head in my life where it was, I was just hitting a brick wall. I, I just didn't understand anymore. You know, I know that my mom would have loved to disciple me and teach me more, but there's only so much a 21-year-old wants to listen to from their mom when you're 21 years old, right? You know, there's only so much you're going to allow her to speak into your life. And at this time, I was an electrician. I was working with a guy, and uh, I was reading The Penny Saver. Who remembers The Penny Saver? <laughs> so I was probably reading The Penny Saver. I was probably looking for a classic car, cheap to maybe buy, sell, and flip, or whatever. And I, found, I came across this ad. It says, Bible School, Orange City. Would you like to learn more about the Bible? And I'm like, yeah. Do you want to be ordained? And I'm like, I don't know what that means. So uh, I, just, I was like, this sounds great. This is an Orange City. It's down the street from me. Let's do this because I was just thinking about how I just, I wish I knew more. Um, so I called my mom, told her about it, read the ad to her. And I was like, what, what does it mean to be ordained? She's like, well, that means that they're going to ordain you as a minister in their church. I'm like, oh, that's random. Okay. 
But either way, I just want to know more about the Lord. And my mom was, like I said, she was our spiritual guidance. And I, I went to her and I said, well, I would like you to go to the church with me because I don't know if it's a cult. I don't know what's going on with it. So whatever you say, if you say it's not a good place, I'm going to go somewhere else. So she went and she loved it. She was great. It was a non-denominational church over here in Orange City, a little storefront church. It was a, they were the pastors from a Pentecostal background. And his name was Pastor John, and he loved me. I went in there with the world all over me. And um, he was just so, <clears throat> he was so graceful to me, and he taught me about Jesus. He was an ex-con. <laughs> he was a mess like me. Um, when I had went to church, he had uh, just recently competed in this strongman competition to where his fastest knockout was 13 seconds. <laughs> they called him the punching preacher. If you uh, go and Google John Capelli or Orlando Sentinel, there's actually still um, an article about him back in 2000. It was a favorable article about him where he, he was in prison. He got out of jail, got out of prison, and started living his life with Jesus. And he went there, started a church, and... Um, it was just a very fascinating time in my life. But the Bible ministry school just, that was my first introduction, my real introduction back to church. I mean, this is when I started going to church and I just went full throttle, just learning about things, uh, about the deep things of the Bible. And uh, I, I don't mean it to sound, I hope it doesn't sound offensive, but like at this point, you know, I'd heard all the time, Jesus died for you, Jesus loves you, and he died on the cross for you. And, and I, I believe that, but it wasn't enough. I hope you understand. I didn't understand why a, a, a dead man on a cross 2,000 years ago saved me. I, it didn't make sense to me. Though I wanted to know. I wanted to hear a sound reason because I didn't know. Uh, like I said, I, I grew up in the mechanic field. I'm a nuts and bolts type of guy. You take a Chevy 350 and a Chrysler 360, you dump it on the ground all apart, I'll put it back together because I've just done it so many times. I like how things fit together, and that, that's what this was for me. God knew this is what I needed. He had this class. It was called Diamonds of Redemption, and the whole class was just about the backdrop. That's how he um, explained it. This is going to be a backdrop to what happened on the cross. So we went all the way back, went back to Genesis and started at the beginning and went all the way through the Bible, talking about blood covenants, talking about um, how God started preaching the gospel to Abraham, and then uh, we went through the, the 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 tabernacle and everything that God did in, in Old Testament Israel, and then we culminate to the cross, and we see all that fulfilled. We see we, I learned about all those great words, those shun words, those T I O N words, uh, uh, propitiation, redemption, justification, sanctification. I'd never heard of those words, but I just realized that like something like propitiation, that Jesus was our propitiation. He was put forth as the final sacrifice that God had wrath. It had to be satisfied. It had to do something with it. And he saved it up and he saved it up and he poured it out on Christ. And then Pastor John's like, he did that for you. And I would leave. I remember just not being able to think. I'm just like in a daze, like, I don't know what I just went through. Uh, what happened? I remember uh, a similar experience that Tommy was talking about when he went to his pastor's church, how he would just get up there and he would just preach and then he would leave and he was like in a daze and he would just like drive down the, I, the interstate like, I don't know what just happened, but I just got hit, you know? <laughs> and that's how I felt at this place. 
So I really, really heard the fullness of the gospel. And I started walking with God, and I started seeing him work in my life. I started to understand that I really am forgiving. And even though when uh, I would have tendencies to try to identify as who I was, it was, it was always really hard to remember who I am now, that Jesus had forgiven me. I got to see God do great things in my life. I got to see, learning about those things biblically, you see all the great things God did for you and you don't even know it. And then I got to see how God wanted to work in my personal life. And that was really fascinating. Um, like I said, I, have, I was charged with the DUI, and I got to see him work in my legal life. Um, you know, without going into the whole thing, there was, there was just a, uh, there was a, I just felt that the, the, the arrest was unjust, and there was a few things that were, I think, exaggerated and when I got arrested, so I was actually charged with the DUI, but I took it to court, I took it to trial, and um, I just remember being on trial, and this scripture was in my heart. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. And that was just on my heart. It's like, God, you are in control of this. No matter what happens, you are God. And I was asking for, I was repenting of like, you know, I'm turning away from this. I don't want this life anymore. Can you help me? Can you take this off of me? Can you, I don't want this on my record. I don't want any of this. And uh, I believe God honored my repentance and I was found not guilty by a trial, and that was just a great opportunity not to look at what was happening to me legally, but just to happen, what was happening to me spiritually, how God was walking me through that to show me that he wanted to do great things in my life, and that was a really great thing that he did for me, and I pray that I have pleased him walking away from a lifestyle that I used to live. I continued serving in my church at this point, there was a guy that actually used to come to our junkyard, and um, he was a part of the Orange County Jail Ministry. He asked me if I wanted to come be a part of that. I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So I started, uh, I was an assistant chaplain at Orange County Jail, and that was a fascinating time, talking to people on death row, uh, talking to people who were in and out of jail, just telling them about Jesus, telling them that they're forgiven. You know, follow after Jesus, he'll change your life. But uh, God eventually dropped a bomb on me, like literally. I was uh, working at American Auto Staff. Just so much spiritual things happened to me. It's crazy. But um, I, it was an opportunity for me to learn about God's intervention in my life. Another great thing he did for me. I was working on a car. It was up on a lift, and I was underneath it working, and the gas tank exploded. Blew me up. Um, gas tank shot across the, the shop. And I'm on the ground, and I, I'm just praying. I don't know what happened. I just I couldn't hear because of the explosion. My my whole face, down to about my torso, was just on like burning on fire. It was just I smelled my hair burning, and you know, long story short, I made it to the hospital. And the next day, I was at home. My mom brought me home, and I still had the soot in my hair. It was all over my face. My hair was all still burnt and everything. And she was, uh, I was getting up to go eat breakfast, but I had this, this horrible pain in my eyes. It was an intense, I, I've never experienced this type of pain before. I don't know if any of you have either. It was probably from the explosion. I don't know, but my whole face was swollen, okay? So it swelled my, 
my eyes shut and I could, my hearing was very faint. I could barely hear. And, um, you know, when you close your eyes, like right now, I got this light. When you close your eyes, you know how you can, you see the, the light bleeding through your eyelids, right? I mean, any, any of you have experienced that. So when I experienced that, it put me in intense pain. It was so painful. To, I had my eyes closed and the, just the, the, the light coming through it. I was just so sensitive, so painful. I had to put a blindfold on, even though my eyes were swollen shut. And then I told my mom about it and she had to close all the blinds and she was putting like comforters over the windows because I couldn't handle it. And uh, she sat me down on the couch and mom watched the 700 Club every morning. I don't know if you know what the 700 Club is, but it's started by Pat Robertson and you know they have news and they give a Christian commentary and all this stuff. And she watched that every day. And so, of course, I hear it. I know what it is and I have my head down because I couldn't there was no sense in watching it, but uh, I heard it, and it was towards the end of the program where they were praying, and then this lady who's actually still on it today, her name's Terry Mewson, she was praying. She's like, somebody who's watching right now, eyes extremely, extremely sensitive to light, place your hands over your face. Jesus is going to give you a whole new vision. So I'm sitting there like, because you know, we kind of grow up in a culture to where we doubt anything on TV. Um, I didn't really pay much attention, and my mom came up behind me, and she puts her hands on my shoulder. She's like, that's for you. Pray with me. So we start praying, and uh, I'm just like, okay, all right, and uh, nothing happened. She was, at the time, she was drawing a bath for me, went and put me in the bath, and started washing her 21-year-old son, <laughs> which was kind of embarrassing, and then after she was done getting all the suit out of my hair, I just, I just noticed that the pain was completely gone. I, I turned to my mom and I said, Mom, I, I didn't, what I was saying, I was like, do I really believe this? But I said, the pain's gone. It's all gone. And she was like, well, praise God. Because <laughs> up to that time, you know, that was, uh, I started really exploring more about those things. You know, I, I know that the church debates those things and about the gifts of the Spirit and how they work and all those things, but all I can say, I experienced it. That just, that really happened. I don't know what to say. And then I, I, I told him about it. I wrote him, told him the whole story and told him the day that it happened and the time that it was on. It's like, man, that happened. I was, I was healed. I was healed instantaneously, you know, because coming from a Pentecostal background, you know, sometimes we hear stories where it's like, uh, you know, the, the heavens are going to open and the Son of Man is going to descend and he's like, I am the Lord that healeth thee. And, you know, nothing like that happened. I didn't feel goosebumps. I didn't feel chills. It was just one, one second I was in pain and next, the next minute I was gone. I was completely healed. It was just an amazing, amazing thing that God did in my life. And um, so actually they, actually, they came and interviewed my mom and my dad. They interviewed for the whole thing. They actually put us on the 700 Club. We had a, there was a, uh, a snippet of us but uh, if you Google that, that's still up there, just the, um, what the transcript because it was standard definition. They took all the standard definition off because everything's high def now. But uh, just a great time for me to see how God works in our personal life. Where my church at this time excelled in preaching grace and preaching Christ, Christ it lacked in accountability. Um, there was a lot of inconsistencies that I found that really brought a lot of pain to my heart. 
um, I was part of this church for about three years or more, and um, it just got to the point where I couldn't handle it anymore, and I did, I did leave the church. I confronted the pastor on some things and uh, just some very hurtful things, and uh, he, I wasn't convinced that he wanted to resolve it, so I was just like, well, I, it's time for me to go, and it was really hard for me, but I did. I, I left, and I just kind of bounced around from church to church for a while, and about a year later, I was at work. I got a call from one of the people at the church and had just informed me that, well, I just need to tell you about Pastor John. He, uh, we just found out he just took his life. It's one of those times in your life when you, um, when people say the rug got ripped out from underneath you. That was me. I, I don't think I can ever be shocked by anything again like I was shocked that day. I cannot tell you the type of attack from Satan that I received for the next year or so. Um, just thinking about that and what he did to himself and how he did it to himself. And the enemy continually, oh, all that stuff you learned, is that stuff really real? Is that true? Look at what he did. You think you can believe that stuff too? Long time. Long time. But it was God's grace, getting back into his word, really, and knowing who I am that helped me get through that. Even to this day, even to this day, I, 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 still, I still get hit with it. Like some of the things that uh, I believe and some of the things that he taught me, I'm caused to question because of this. So after, after this, uh, you know, we just kind of moved on, tried to put the pieces back together. I tried to learn from this, deal with this, move with this. Wandered from church to church, continued in jail ministry. But around this time, I wasn't interested in settling down at a church for obvious reasons. I was exhausted. <laughs> I was just so tired. Uh, a friend of mine had recently come to the Lord, and he was going over to First Assembly over in Deland. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to park out here for a while. I'm just going to go to church with you. I want to encourage you in your faith and that was good enough for me because I had already decided to join the Army. I had enlisted in the Army as a chaplain assistant, and uh, I was going to continue ministry at that. I was like, well, I want to join the Army. I've always wanted to join the Army. Hey, there's a chaplain assistant position. I'll just I'll serve the Lord and be a chaplain assistant. So that was a really awesome opportunity for me. And right before I went into the Army, it, uh, we were talking about this the other day, me and Bria. You know, just another thing God did for me before I left the Army. Like That's when I met Bria, and you know, I got married while I was in the Army, but... Just how God weaves things together. So the guy, one of the, one of the men that were in that school with me that I got so blessed from, he wasn't a part of my church. He just came to the school. He went to another church, and he, he's like, hey, I want to invite you to this, my church. And this was after John had passed away. And he's like, why don't you come to my church? And this guy was like, he was a little much. You know, he was just like one of those, come on, brother, let's do your birthday. You know, just like one of those, those typical Pentecostal type guys that's always in your face. Oh, amen, brother, brother. And I'm like, dude, you're a little much for me. I don't know what your church is going to be like, so I'm not really sure. But uh, one morning I just woke up and early because they met early. You know, they, they got their praise on at 8 o'clock. You know, not, none of this 10, 11 o'clock stuff, you know. So I showed up and, of course, Bree's up there singing. And uh, just how God worked that up to me and the tremendous blessing that Bree is to my life and how the great thing that he's done in my life by giving me such a faithful and good believing wife and how he weaved that together all this time, the dude that was going to introduce us was a part of this school uh, for two or three years. So 
Have faith God can weave those things together for you, especially those of you who are waiting for that right one, you know. God, and just, I didn't really plan to say this, but, you know, I'd also really told the Lord that I was, I was, I repented. Like, Lord, I'm going to conduct my relationships the way that the Bible wants me to conduct my relationships, and I am going to um, relate to the opposite sex the way that I'm supposed to. And God really blessed that. And I got me a good wife out of it. So God, God rewards obedience. He really does. So after the Army, um, I moved to Virginia. I was started school. I was going to Regent University, working on a Christian ministry degree. And um, I was like, I don't want to do this online. Bree, let's go to Virginia. She's like, woohoo, let's go. Let's go do something. And my degree was coming to an end. I was about finished. I had about a year to go, and we just we had all these ideas. Oh, maybe we'll go to the mission field. Oh, maybe we'll go start a church somewhere, or maybe we'll move to another state. You know, let's see what's up. It's like, no one will pray. <laughs> let's just do that. And every Wednesday, I was fasting and praying every Wednesday, so I got an answer. It's like, God, I need direction. And there was this Wednesday that uh, I was on the floor praying, and I just opened up to Matt, uh, Mark, Mark chapter 5, just started reading it. And when I got to... Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. It's like, mm. I don't know if you've had that moment where God just hits you when you're reading your word. Like, just like a ton of bricks, like, that's from the Lord. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll say kind of nonchalant, yeah, the Lord's speaking this to me, the Lord's speaking this to me, and there's always a little bit of doubt, but I was like, the Lord spoke that to me. I knew it. And I got up, and I went out. I was like, I'm breaking fast. Bree, make me some breakfast. We're going home. And um, little did I know that two weeks later that I would get a call from my mom giving me troubling news that she, they had found a mass on her lungs. And I really appreciated putting everything together, especially when Tommy got through with Mark, seeing how Jesus prepared his disciples for everything that was going to happen. And I, I saw how God prepared me for this. I was focusing just on the word that God had given me, but I didn't understand why he gave it to me. It was because he was preparing me for what was getting ready to happen. So he gave me that word, and I was already prepared when my mom gave me that news. And we have a family-run business, so you know the, my brothers were already there helping out. One brother had his own business, and he was helping out where he could, and another brother was trying to help out. So I'm like, okay, well, this is what the Lord has called me to do. I'm going to go home and help out. I'm going to help run the business. Mom's going through chemo and radiation. Dad ain't got time to be there. He don't want to, you know, he, he's focused on other things. So that's what happened. I moved on home and here I am. I've been here ever since, 11 years. And still struggling with this first because we do have other thoughts and things that we felt like the Lord has put on our hearts, but he hasn't given us the time yet. And, um, this is what we're doing right here, you know, and I feel, and Bree and I have been meditating on this and talking about what this means for us today, the great things that we have done, and I hope that my, giving you a testimony of my life and my lifestyle has been a testimony to you of the great things God has done in my life, and I hope it encourages you that God does those things for you, too. He doesn't just pick people he wants to bless. I learned through scripture the great things that God has already done for us that I didn't even know it. You know, I feel like uh, Jacob, when Jacob was at uh, Bethel and he saw the, 
the, the, the stairway and the angels descending, or the ladder, the angels descending upon it. And, and he said, God was in this place and I didn't know it. And uh, that God has done things for us and we haven't even known. And it's up to us to search those things out and get blessed from those. But he also wants to work on your personal life as well. He wants to heal you. He wants to bless you. And when I was going through all these times, there's so many voices that want to remind me of who I used to be, remind me of the things that I used to say, remind me of the things that I used to think, remind me of the behaviors that I used to live out. And I'm always, always coming back to these things that I've learned, that I'm in Christ, that Jesus says I'm a new creation, that Jesus says that I'm righteous, that I stand before God blameless, even though I know that I don't always think righteous thoughts and I don't always do righteous things as much as I try. I'm still righteous, praise the Lord. I'm justified, just like that court, those jury, those jurors justified me that day of my crime. They said I was not guilty. I'm justified before God. Even though that whole situation in my life, I was guilty of having done that, even though if I wasn't guilty of it that time. I'm, I'm embarrassed and ashamed to say that I had done that several times, and I should have been arrested. I could have hurt somebody. But... Um, by God's grace, there go I. I'm holy. Just like the, um, the implements in the tabernacle are set aside for a special purpose. God has set me aside for a special purpose. He set you aside as a believer for a special purpose. I'm a son of God. I'm an heir. I don't know if any of you have ever received an inheritance. Maybe you get a good inheritance, maybe not so good. But I'll tell you what, an estate, an estate sale... An estate sale is all the stuff left over from what they didn't want from their inheritance. When God gives us an inheritance, we want it. It's riches. The Bible is so rich. Uh, Our inheritance is so rich that the Bible says that we can't even think of the things that God has prepared for us. We we don't even have the vocabulary to actually tell you to where you could actually understand it. You know, I think that might even lean in a little bit to what Paul had said, that I saw things in the third heaven that I can't, it's not even lawful for me to repeat because he probably didn't have the ability to even repeat it, the things that God has for us. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. You know what? We're in an election cycle, and I've got my candidate that I'm voting for. But no matter what candidate we have, he's a failure. Our country... I pray it holds on as long as it can, but you know what? I'm a citizen of a country where righteousness reigns on the throne, where the king of righteousness reigns. I have a God or a king or a president that I didn't elect. He elected me. I don't have to choose him. I've already got the best one. I don't need another God. I don't need another king. There's not going to be any deception in this kingdom. These are the things that I, these are my talking points. This is how I encourage myself. You know, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. When I'm feeling bad, this is how I encourage myself, by knowing who I am. I am a saint. I'm a saint. I don't always act like it, but I'm a saint because God declared it. I want to act like a saint. I, I, I want to be good before you guys. I, I don't want to say things that hurt your feelings. But that does not define me, and it doesn't define you. As much as the devil has lied to me, these are the things that remind me that I am no longer bound by who I used to be. And I want to go over this passage of Scripture a little bit that Bree had read and 
I want to take a little bit of a, 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 a symbolic approach to what's going on here. Jesus goes to this man who's dead. He's living with dead people. He's in the tombs. He's shackled. He took his uh, lifestyle from dead people. That was me. Living among dead people. People that didn't want to know Jesus. Nobody could bind him anymore. Nobody could tame him. Nobody could tell me anything. They would put chains on him and break him. And you know what? Symbolically, you know, that the world has so many chains for us. They have things that they think is going to heal us. But they're just more chains. And you know what? We might break free of those chains, but you know what? They're going to come and put more chains on you. And I believe that the Holy Spirit showed me this as I was studying this. You know the chains that the world puts on you and the devil puts on you? Jesus takes them off and puts them on the devil? Amen. I like that. No one had strength to subdue, subdue him. He was always crying out and cutting himself, hurting himself, putting himself in positions that he was going to get hurt, putting himself in painful relationships where he was just going to get more pain. Like they say, the, um, the definition of an insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting results. That's this guy. That was me. And even when Jesus called out to him, Jesus said, what's your name? How does he identify himself? He identifies himself by the name that the demons gave him. I am legion. He identified himself by his lifestyle, living among dead people in the tombs, communing with demons. That's how he identified himself. And that's what the world still wants to identify us as. And that's what they want to identify me as, but that's not me anymore. Jesus heals him, sets him free. This man is ecstatic. It's an amazing thing that uh, when you read it, it's, it's almost humorous that the people come to him having seated and in his right mind, and they were afraid. It's like, what, were you afraid that Jesus is going to put you in your right mind? You know, it's like, what are you afraid of? And they were like, Jesus, get out of here. We don't want to. We don't want to be healed. We don't know what's going on. We've, we've been trying to take care of this guy for years. And look, you come over here, you say one word, and he's completely well, and he's sitting at your feet. Wow, what's that about? But he did not permit him. And I just felt like that that was me. This is my personal testimony and my personal uh, impression of this scripture. Um, that when God gave this to me, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done. I had a King James Version, New King James Version. It says great things. ESV says uh, how much the Lord has done. We had uh, plans, me and Bree. We wanted to do other things. You know, this guy wanted to go be a disciple. He wanted to, I just want to go with you, Jesus. Wherever you go, that's where I want to go. We, we sing those songs, you know, wherever you go, Jesus, I go, you know. But he's like, no, go home. I don't want you here, you know, I've, not in a facetious way. He wanted him to go home and tell them what great things God has done. He, was, he sent him out as an evangelist. And uh, there's other th great things that I want to do for the Lord, but He's like, you know, you need to go home. Tell your friends what great things the Lord has done. Tell your family what great things the Lord has done. And he didn't do them for me because I'm special or because I'm unique. I don't know why he did. I, I believed him. I don't know. It's, it, we, we know it's by grace. You know, we can't claim any credit for it. But God was good.
And as I said before, if, if the great things, they are enough, just learning about the gospel, the things that are contained in the scripture and applying them into your life, that's enough. Those are great things. But also, you know, this man didn't go out with a testimony of, with a theological education. He went out, look, this is what Jesus did. I was, I was bound up. I was living among tombs. I was cutting myself with stones. I wanted to kill myself. I didn't want to be alive. He just told the story. And then, just like I've told you my story, those are the things that God did in my life. He may not do it exactly that way in your life, but he wants to do something in your life. He wants to do great things in your life. And I, I would like to, to share this, that if you flip over a couple more pages to Mark chapter 7, you're going to see that Jesus goes back to that area. It's called Decapolis. It was actually a pagan Gentile uh, area outside of Judea, outside of Israel. And you'll see that the crowds gather around him. And it says people from all about came to him around Decapolis, and he healed them. So the, I believe that they came to Jesus because of this one man. Can you imagine if we all went to our friends and told them what great things the Lord has done, the type of harvest that Jesus would have? All they did is told them about Jesus, and they brought him to Jesus. The mission of Grace Life is gather, grow, and go. This is your go charge. This is your go. And you know what? You can be honest, too. If you feel like God hasn't done great things in your life, you know, that's honest. As Pastor Tommy has said many times, you know what? God can handle your honesty. Because I know that in my life, I'm so self-centered that I'm like, well, God, what have you done? You know, I want to do this thing. You won't let me do that. I want to do that. You won't let me do that. I want this, and you won't give it to me. But when I step out of myself and stop being a little baby and I look into the scriptures and I say, God, wow, look at what you've done. We might just need to do that sometimes, you know, just look at what God has already done and you get encouraged and like, wow, God, you have done great things in my life. And it puts things in perspective. So go, go and tell your friends what great things the Lord has done for you. And as Steve Brown would say, you think about that. Amen. time in our service where we, we call it reflection time. Uh, we do a song we call it a Selah. So we just pause and we want to reflect on what we heard. There we go. Um, but today is also first Sunday and it's communion. So we'll wrap those two things together uh, as we have some servers who are going to come down and help me serve communion this morning. And, and Cliff, thank you for sharing your testimony and that charge. I really appreciate that, brother. I love the way you ended. Uh, that's a fascinating passage. I remember one man preached on that a long time ago, and the title of the message was uh, The Missionary Who Went Nowhere. And I didn't understand where he was going with it until he, he preached the very end of that message where 
it's, it's really interesting. You have the townspeople begging Jesus, go away. And he, he said, yes. And you had the demons begging Jesus, send them away. And Jesus says, yes. And then you have this brand new disciple who says, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no. <laughs> he listens to the demons. He listens to the pagan people in the town. And this new disciple that wanted so desperately to follow Jesus everywhere, he said, no, you're, you're of much more use to me and to those people around you if you stay here and you share the great things. And I, and I love that, brother. You wrap that into our vision. Gather, grow, and go. And we are the insiders who exist for the outsiders. And that's a great charge to know that that same liberating power that Jesus manifested on that man filled with demons, that he has manifested in your life. He has redeemed you from all your iniquities. He's covered you. He's cleansed you. And that's what communion is about. It, it is a reminder. Jesus said to Paul, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. Remember what I did for you. Remember who I am and remember whose you are. Because so often we forget and we need help. God knows we have gospel amnesia. We forget every single day. I forget who I am in Christ and I need to be reminded and I need help doing that. And so Jesus knew we needed a built-in reminder. That's one of the ordinances of the church. We have baptism, which is a picture. And uh, we have the Lord's Supper, which is you handle, you touch, you taste, you feel all your senses God knows those are those are helpful reminders. Somebody can tell me, hey, that was a great message you preached last week. It changed my life. I can't even remember what message I preached, but I can remember things that were hanging in my freshman year of college in my dorm. I can remember those things hanging up on the wall, but I can't even remember the message I preached last week. How messed up is that? Don't we need reminders who Jesus is, what he's done for us, what the gospel is? And this is what God has given us. So servers, you come now. And I know this is a, a little bit of a nerve-wracking time for people with COVID numbers, whatever narrative you're, you're following, that any way you look at it, it seems like there's more cases. So I want you to know that this church prioritizes your health. And you can see our servers have these beautiful blue gloves on. And uh, <laughs> so we're not even handling uh, the elements, but we also want you to know that these elements are... Uh, they're prepackaged, okay? Nobody touched them. They're sealed. We ordered them actually from Amazon. And uh, so we're going to distribute those. And I want to give you a little bit of instruction. There's two different things you peel off. The very top layer, that you can barely see it. There's a thin little cracker wafer underneath. Peel that off first because if you don't, it's almost impossible to get it out later. So peel that very top layer off first and get the wafer out. Hold on to it. And then you can peel off the bottom and the juice is in there. And we will take communion together. So I'm going to ask the servers to prepare to distribute this to you. remind you as they distribute the elements that this is for believers. These are for people who have placed their hope and their trust and their confidence in Jesus Christ, the forgiveness that he and he alone can offer through his perfect life, his substitutionary death, his victorious resurrection and ascension. If your hope is in Christ this morning, we invite you to celebrate and receive communion, receive this reminder that you are in Christ 
There is therefore now no condemnation to you. You are forgiven. You are justified. You are cleansed. You are adopted. You are blood-bought. You are a citizen of his kingdom. And there's nothing that can change that. There's nothing that can threaten that. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You belong to him forever. And I don't know about you, but I need that reminder, that encouragement, don't you? That strengthens my heart. So I want to read to you a passage that I often read from Romans chapter 8, just a section there. The very end, the Apostle Paul in verse 37 says, In all these things, and he's talking about persecution, death, suffering, trials, afflictions, pressure, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul doesn't say we barely squeeze by. We get into heaven by the hair of our chinny chin chin. No, he says we are more than conquerors. We like overcome through faith in Christ. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other thing in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are kept, we talked about a few weeks ago, we are kept by God forever. And that's good news, isn't it? So I'm going to serve the servers and then we'll take a look at this passage in Corinthians uh, as to how we do this. you're at home with us, I hope that you should have uh, reminded you of this earlier. Have whatever you have available that we can. The Bible says that we do this soberly, but we do this joyfully because this is a reminder that, that we're so sinful that Jesus had to die for our sins, but that we are so loved by him that he was glad to do it. And I was talking to my wife this morning about, you know, the gospel, when you focus on the finished work of Jesus on your behalf. And you know that you don't have anything to prove. You don't have, have anything to fear. You don't have anything to lose. Um, you don't have anything to hide. Success doesn't go to your head. Failure doesn't go to your heart. Uh, God is asking us to remember right now, Jesus loves us and he died for us. You can forget that thing that somebody said to you last week that stuck with you. This is more powerful and more real right now in this moment. That's what communion is for, the power and the blessing that we have for this. And this is what the Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth about communion. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this cracker represents the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for you so that your body doesn't have to be broken. This juice represents the blood of Jesus that was shed so that you don't have to be slaughtered for your sins. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God for us on our behalf in place of us. He's our substitute. He's the Lamb of God slain on behalf of His people. And that is good news, and that's what we celebrate. So take the wafer. You can peel that top layer off if you haven't already. And then you can peel the bottom layer, and we will partake together and receive communion. Do it together. The Bible says they prayed. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this visible, tangible reminder that we tasted and that we handled and we felt. Maybe we smelled it, Lord. To remind us how powerful the reality of your love for us is, God. For God so loved the world that he gave. You did something. Your love provoked you to action, Lord. It wasn't just a sentimental feeling. It wasn't just you, you had an emotional thought about your people. You did something. You did something radical. You did something amazing. You did something miraculous. You did something astonishing, so astonishing that some people cannot fathom it and they don't believe it. Lord, that God would become a human being, crawl inside a human body, subject himself to time, space, to suffering, to hostility, to murder, that God would become vulnerable, that God would become killable so this people could be redeemed. Thank you, Lord, for rescuing us in that way. And whatever is, is weighing down our heart and our mind today, Lord, whatever lies we are believing from the enemy, may this be more real and more powerful and more weighty in our life today, God that we are justified and we are yours and we belong to you and you have you yet have work for us to do lord you have friends family neighbors co-workers colleagues relationships lord that that we are to go back to and tell them the great things that you have done for us as my brother cliff reminded us earlier help us to do that today lord and do it well do it for you in your name in your power and we pray all these things in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for serving us. You guys can, can rejoin your, your friends there and we're going to do what the Bible also tells us Jesus did on the night that they had the first Passover meal as a symbol of the gospel. The Bible says that they sang a hymn together. So I'm going to let TJ and the band lead us in a hymn here. And I want to tell you this before we come back and do the charge. These little cups, they're having a graduation here, I'm told, this coming week. And uh, let's take care of this auditorium. Take these, and there will be a basket back there at some point. When you leave, you can drop these off. And Megan may remind us of this with the closing announcements, but I think Cliff and Bree, did, did you guys have some bookmarks? You want to tell us about that before we sing? Yeah. I forgot to mention that... Um... That's something I was passionate about is just knowing who I am in Christ. 
and how beneficial that it was. And then um, we bought these bookmarks. We have them for you out at the welcome table. It's really just stick it in your Bible or whatever book you're reading. There, there's a stack of 50 out there. So um, we have some more at the house. But it's just it, just a few. There's all kinds of scriptures. But there's just a few on here just talks about how you're accepted in Christ. You're secure. That you're significant. And on the back, it talks about Satan's lie and God's truth. And just just a really great tool to always look at and always have in your Bible. And we got those for you. They're at the welcome table out in the foyer. Um, blue like this. So please take one or take two or whatever. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. All right, we're going to sing a hymn together, and then we'll do our charge. Whoever lives and pleads for me my name is graven on his hands my name is written on his heart i know that while in heaven he stands no tongue can bear me Savior and my God. 
Lord, we thank you for your blood and your sacrifice for us, God. Us wretched sinners who are guilty of all of all of our sins, Lord, was you took upon yourself and you took our place on the cross. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you hear me? Okay, there we go. Um, just a few announcements for you all today. Um, I just wanted to remind you of our Men Knowing God and our Women Knowing God summer events. Um, we have dates for both today. Um, the Women Knowing God um, is Tuesday, July 7th, which that's this week. Um, so just so you know, both of these events will be um, live streamed or Zoom actually is probably the better uh, vocabulary for me to use. So if you are watching home and you are not comfortable with um, coming in person, there's still an opportunity for you to um, attend this uh, gathering with us. And that'll be from 7 to 8.30 um, for Women Knowing God. If you need the Zoom link or any information um, on address uh, for the Hearts home, um, you can email us at contact at gracelifeflorida.com or you can find all of the information, Zoom link and address in the app. Um, if you click groups on the bottom of the Church Center app, you can see Women Knowing God um, and also under events, uh, you'll see um, men Knowing God and Women Knowing God both under there as well um, with address information. For Men Knowing God, just so you know, the location is to be determined. Um, but if you are subscribed to the group or if you have the app and you check, um, you'll be able to see that location. So Men Knowing God will be Thursday, July um, 16th um, from 7 to 8.30. Um, and I thought last week after I had um, talked about Women Knowing God that I should mention that these... Um, Groups are just a good way for um, both men and women to be able to connect um, with each other. Um, it is a little bit on a larger scale because the more we get to know um, our hope as a church and a part of our gather, grow, um, and go is that we connect in even smaller, I guess, micro men and women groups that we call D groups or discipleship groups. And if that's something that you're interested in meeting on a regular basis to um, really grow with other men and women, um, this is a great starter place to get to know other men and women um, and to kind of get um just more insight on both ministries. So I thought that I'd mention that as well. Um, tech team training is Sunday, July 12th. If you're interested in serving as an ambassador on our tech team, um, you can email Diane Hendricks at serving at gracelifeflorida.com uh, and she can give you more information um, on what the tech team entails, everything that goes into serving with the tech team. Um, you can also RSVP at that email as well or in the right in the app, which is super simple, you can RSVP there too if you are um, interested in uh, attending this training. Lunch will be served. It's immediately um, closing the service. And then I also just wanted to mention lastly that um, these are not our only exits. So if you are um, hoping to keep a um, safe distance, you can exit out of these other side um, signs too, and they bring you right outside and you can head to the parking lot um, as well. And that's the last thing I think I have for you. So if you want to stand, we'll say our charge together. I am a witness. I have been called to minister to my neighborhood in both word and deed. God has given me his word to equip me, 
his spirit to empower me, and his love to motivate me. I pledge my life for the gospel. You have been sent.